Welcome to another week of Rock Me Dead. My name is Errol Parker, and uh, not much went on this week, so it's going to be a pretty thin episode, um, you know, other than arguably one of the greatest robberies in rugby union history. I'm sure a lot of you are on site. I'm sure, you know, not many people around town here in outback Queensland are too sympathetic to what I'm on about, but one of them who clearly is not is Wendell Hussey, <laughs> who joins me here each week. Wendell, uh, how, was, how was your trip to the city over the weekend? Glorious, Errol. Really, really glorious. Obviously, I'm the sure win, the win, capped things off. I know, steal. I know, I know, I know. Everyone's the, going the on about steal. the referee, Nick Berry, Queenslander, yeah. getting all those pictures up. Mate, mate constant infringements. Mate, fuck the infringements, riffs, infringements, infringements, infringements. And the Reds just they found a way to get it done. And we're not going to dwell on that. But as a special treat, we're going to be joined at the back end of the podcast by All Black Legend. Andrew Mertens. Yeah, he'll be talking us through Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, that mm-hmm. private equity deal over yeah. there in New Zealand, whether the Harker should be commercialised and all of those other yeah. stories from his time spent here and abroad. So we're looking forward to that one coming up very shortly. But, Wendell. It was almost spiritual after the last you know 12 to 18 months. What's happened to just be there, Suncorp, 45,000 screaming Queenslanders, the roar of noise sitting there, just seeing everyone sitting next to each other, having fun, beers everywhere. It was glorious. Tupo driving hard at the line. Tupo, has he done it? No, it's play on. They go wide. They go wide. They get the try. It's O'Connor for Queensland. That's all good for you, but I really was hoping that they were going to play this on neutral territory, where you'd have neutral refs <laughs> who aren't emotionally invested in this so-called fairy tale win, you know, people like Nick Berry, mm. you know, heavily, heavily invested in a Reds win, and of course, playing it at Skill Park, Lang Park, whatever Christ <laughs> name it's fucking called now, they're playing that, then spilling out onto Cacton Street, no atmosphere. They should have played it at Homebush, pushed the people out mm. into the fabled. Homebush Entertainment Precinct. Mm. Filled them up with those historic pubs there at the bottom of the Opal Tower. Sorry, the $11 schooners down there. The Leaning Tower of Homebush, as I should say. But Or, buddy, the MCG. Should have taken it down to the MCG the Adelaide there. Oval. Mm. Anything. Yeah. Mate. But it was just not a fair contest. You know, when you've got 45,000 toothless Queenslanders screaming at you, you've got the referees, you've got the touchies, you've got everyone... Everyone is against you, and uh, in my opinion, I reckon, is vindicated by what we saw in the spider cam in the dying minutes. Tupo did not knock the ball on. Mm, yeah, no, they might have missed that one. It could have been mm. held up in goal as well, on the line dropout, but yeah, yeah, fair enough. Errol, fair enough. I can understand yeah. you feeling a little bit. gloating too from the Queenslanders too. <laughs> You'd think they'd won the World Cup. Queenslanders... Love what? a winning team. They've Errol. won the Super Rugby warm-ups. <laughs> Super That's what Rugby AU. Well done. The first title since 2011. It's like coming first in infantry school in Kapuka, then going off to Gallipoli. <laughs> you know. Well, they're going to come first at Gallipoli too, Errol. So don't worry about that when they roll the Crusaders in the final. Yeah, it was it was a good enough game though. You can admit that. Apart Look, from the refs stealing it from it you. had all the theatre in terms of what we saw in Australian sport over the weekend. Watching the grand final mm. was uh, was was the pick. The script writers couldn't have written it any better, yeah. really. They've poached them from the State of Origin series, I'm telling you. <laughs> big signing. Or, and they, I guess now it is on Channel 9, so maybe they've just borrowed them for these big games. They've borrowed the script writers from State so, of Origin, so all the grand finals. F- all the flamethrowers, all the fanfare. Mm. It was quite special. And obviously the 84th, 5th minute try, James O'Connor strolling yeah. over. 
you can't write the redemption anymore. I hope he got his 4am Hungry Jacks because by fuck he earned it, didn't he? Yeah, you know, but he also earned, you know, an early night. You know, mm. I hope that James did get his rest. I think those days have passed him. Yeah. I think now he's in. Straight home, ice bath, yeah. bed. Maybe. Good night's sleep. Get up, down to the beach, <laughs> coffee, walk in the cold water, find some sticks to drag along the beach, get mindful. Maybe he had one Milton Mango on, on the deck with his <laughs> old man, you know, over his, you know. Party pie dinner, which yep. is the cultural dish of Queensland. Yes. Party pies. The special dish. As, as far as I'm concerned, mm. it is party pies and potato gems doused in smoky yep. barbecue sauce. Yep. Has a few of those. Says goodnight to the old yep. man, goes to Kisses bed. Kisses his dad on the lips mm. and says, yep, goodnight, yep. dad. <laughs> I hope you're proud of me now. And then goes to bed in his, his single bed in his parents' house and says, I finally made it back. Those last five minutes were wild. I don't know how uh-huh. they knew what to do because I had a group of people on my right screaming, keep it in the forwards, keep it in the forwards, you fucking idiots. Yep. You know, when James O'Connor went for that big lofted pass, but then I had the group of people on my left saying, spread it out wide, spread it out wide. And then when it got spread out wide, yep. they were saying, keep it in the forwards. So it must have been really confusing for the Queensland Reds there with 45,000 people directing traffic, telling them, keep it in the forwards, go out wide. What Was do you do? the bloke telling you to keep it in the forwards wearing a fucking red bandana by any chance? <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. And I think right. um, he was drinking beer as well. So it definitely wasn't who you were thinking of. Because I know because no. it, it did, uh, it, it went all over me he and the people. He about that life. No, no, no. It went all, that, that beer went all over me and the people around after James O'Connor strolled off. Because everyone's beers were just up in the air. It was a special, special feeling that we talked about. I liked um, Taniella Tupo doing the snow angel. Is that yep. what it's called, Dave? Snow angel? I think it's a snow angel. Yeah, yeah. Not With in the- snow. I mean, we don't get much snow around the Queensland <laughs> no. cities, but... Not heaps in Brisbane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there probably was a little bit getting around um, Caxton Street in the valley afterwards, but... Not, not enough, in Queensland. Not enough that you could be... Um, not in Anna's Queensland. I, not, I, was, I don't know. It might have been a little bit, um, but... Not enough that you can obviously do the angel in. I liked him doing that, and um, the break dance was nice as well, you know, mimicking um, Scott Razor-Robertson, who obviously does that every year, the Crusaders win, which is every single yeah. year. So that was nice from Taniella. Really nice interview with Sonny Bill as well. <laughs> Mate, he looked like he put a fucking a fork in the toaster. That's what he looked like to me. <laughs> I don't Absolutely. even reckon. Do you reckon if he did that, he like... He'd just be like a little shock, wouldn't it? It'd be like the static when you accidentally you touch go out, and you get the static shock. You go out in the kitchenette now and you do it and you tell me what it feels like. No, no, not me. I'm saying Taniella. I'd, I'd be fucked. Anyone. I, you reckon? I don't know. I reckon he'd be all right. I reckon he could just go jam it in there and just be like... Pfft. He's got some built-in insulation just in his yeah, body. Yeah, yeah he's, <laughs> he's a thick man. He is a, he's Mate, a real specimen. I know people, like old mates of mine in Hong Kong who've been hit with a rubber bullet and they've also been tased. They'll take a rubber bullet any day over that fucking taser. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of the Reds boys did look like they celebrated. I know we spoke about James O'Connor, went home, got an early night, got ready yep. for Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, but a few of the other boys looked like they had a bit of fun. Lacan, uh, Salakai Loto, Taniela Tupo did those interviews the next morning down there at Ballymore. Looked like they'd had a, had a good night. I don't know why you would agree to do a television interview the mm. day after you've won a grand final. I mean, going on TV anyway is a fucking mugs game anyway, but mm. like... Of all the things you could be doing the next day, like vomiting and eating mm. fast food, why, why yeah. would you want to go down to Ballymore of all places and talk to some television journalist about what you've done the night before? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine anything worse, <laughs> but I guess it is good to see that 
rugby is getting some coverage on those back. main programs. Yep. You know what I mean? The biggest crowd for an Australian derby since 2004, apparently, when the Tars and the Reds had a belter of a game. So that's Just something big. Just show what winning does to you. Half a million TV numbers, they reckon. Fuck, Across Stan and Channel up there Nine, with the block that that is, we're getting big. We're, we're getting, getting big, big numbers. numbers, block numbers, math numbers. Yeah, well, no, married no, it. No, first. can't get math numbers. That is the juggernaut that will not be taken down. Maths, you know, World Cup final. I don't even know if you'd top maths. People yeah, just no. love seeing those those aspiring reality stars. I'm not sure what would throwing wine on each other. Take down maths, maybe a fertilizer bomb or a masked gunman. Who mm. knows? Yeah, that would a frustrated. Would take man. it down for a little while, but it'd be back. Oh, it'd yeah. be back even bigger and <laughs> better man, with yeah. the greatest season. I wonder what Tarman is doing now. I mean, I wonder how long it's going to be until we see Tarman trying to rob houses in Glebe, and then he ends up getting decapitated by a samurai sword on Hereford Street. <laughs> Maybe he's stalking James O'Connor's early morning walks at the beach, just waiting for him to you know <laughs> take one step too close to the water and just hold him under. Well, there's apparently an ad going around for the next Tar Man. They're looking for another Tar Man. I saw Four. something pop up. Who do you think would make a good Tar Man? <laughs> I don't who, know. Um, who needs to be taken down a peg in society? Who needs to be humbled by spending a half a season as Tar Man? What about Scott Cam? <laughs> Tell you Scott what. Cam. He's already signed to Channel 9, so, you know. <laughs> Getting in, organise the contract. I'll tell you what, I reckon, you know, someone on the board should go and be Tar Man. Mm. Yeah, who was the dude that they just fired or just stepped down from the board? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I, I reckon it should be, you know, your Al Baxter's, you know, mm. your Roger Davies. He is the one who left, isn't it? Yeah, Roger Davis. Yeah, Ro- yeah. Roger Davies. Mm. The old comb over. Mm. Yeah. Nah, look, I think that Roger should spend some time as Tarman, mm. you know, and kind of see what, you know, things are like on the front line, on, mm. on the coalface of New South Wales Rugby Union, because I guess, you know, he might get a better idea. Mm. He might get a better idea. Deal with the kids yelling at him and throwing things at him. But back to Queensland and the celebrations. How long do you reckon Brad Thorne's given them to celebrate? Do you reckon it's like wrap it up around 48 hours. midday? 48 hours. Because they've got to go again this weekend. I reckon that as we are recording now, the bloody Reds are on the paddock. Yeah. Running around the goalposts, getting it all out of them. Oh, God. It's like you hate it, but you know that. It's, it's good necessary, for you. yeah. It's you know that you. it is good for you. That I know that people that say the only way to get alcohol out of your system is time. That's bullshit. You mm. know, you can run it out and you can sweat it out. Now yep. they will be training. Good for the Reds. Hope they rip in and hope they get a win against the Kiwis this weekend. I reckon they're the winners of our comp. We've done our second Super Rugby AU. Great success, in my opinion. Really well done. Um, numbers are trending up. Everything seems to be trending up. Crusaders have won again. Over there in Super Rugby Aotearoa. Surprise, surprise. And the Crusaders will want to finish on a tidy note and just get it out. And they do get it out. They've done it again. The Crusaders win Super Rugby Aotearoa 2021. What are we up to? Four, five, six? Six, seven. No, it's, it's not seven. I, no, think it's so I think it's five, maybe, in a row. It's just like, New Year, this is same part, result. I'm, I'm telling you, Kiwi rugby is on the decline, and this is a symptom of it. Mm. So if the Chiefs can't beat 15 men, playing against the Crusaders with 13 men for a decent chunk of that second half, 
things don't look good for oh, Kiwi well, rugby. You, you got know. the Crusaders there, but if the Chiefs can't take over, if they can't take the mantle off the Crusaders and become the best team over there in New Zealand in those kind of situations, refs were doing everything they could to help out the Chiefs there. They did their bit, you know, which is very unusual. Very, very unusual for a home Crusaders game. Normally the 16th man for the Crusaders, very strong, but he wasn't on Saturday night and unfortunately the Chiefs couldn't really capitalise. Well, it will be interesting this weekend, you know, because the first game is the Reds and the Highlanders. It'll be our first glimpse, Mm. you know. What happens if the Reds get, you know, fucking flogged? Yeah. Where does that leave us? I mean, You start looking for the panic button. If you were... A waratah, and you you know you're just arriving at the ground doing you know a bit of a warm up, and you just get word just before you're about to run on that the Reds have just been destroyed by the fucking Highlanders. Would you just, <laughs> you just be go. like, oh. <laughs> you just go, oh, oh shit, I've um I've got a light head, Ooh, I've got a light head, I've got a bit of a sniffle. Where's Tarman? Uh, give me some of that power. I can't taste it. I can't taste it. I've got all of the COVID symptoms. I, I need a test. I've been yeah. around everyone. Shut it down. I've been shopping for barbecues yeah, yeah, yeah. this last but, week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, oh shit, I was in Annandale barbecues galore. Oh no, I'm sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, the person was actually Tarman. <laughs> He was the barbecue man. <laughs> Fuck, nice oh, one, man. man. Smoke brisket, man. <laughs> <laughs> How do you reckon he speaks? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Hello. Time in. <laughs> I've been all over town looking for one of these Komodo fucking meat smokers. Now I've got I've this big got chunk it. of beef brisket. Oh, no, I can't. I got, can't bloody smoke it this weekend. Oh, I've got a boy. Might as well go and smoke it now. Well, I've got the time. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, I reckon that probably something like that. Um, yeah, the Reds and the Highlanders. Highlanders coach came out a few weeks ago and said he reckons the Highlanders will beat every single Australian team. Good. You on know him. what he did on the weekend? What? Left for Japan. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone to Japan. He's not coaching the Super Rugby Trans Tasman. He wants to come back next year, old Tony Brown, with his flat cap Tony. He's left. He's gone to Japan to help out over there. So like, okay, Good mate. So him. yeah, he just reckons they're going to beat everyone, and that's it. He's gone. <laughs> Off they go. So they do the job. Just quickly back to that Super Rugby Aotearoa Grand Final. Damien McKenzie scored a really nice try, some really hot play. But you have to have a look at some of those kicks that unfortunately he missed. There were some sitters yeah. there. He's been the Ice Man uh, taken over from Bernard Foley as the Ice Man yep. over the last few weeks, kicking some you know incredible the penalty high goals. Of Iceman. Yeah, being yeah. in some incredible goals to win it. But unfortunately, ice levels in Damien McKenzie's blood running low. I don't know. Maybe a trip to Palmerston North. Maybe a trip to South Auckland when they're over here. Maybe a trip to Gladstone, something like that. Because I think he needs to top up the levels of ice in his blood. Because he's obviously a bit depleted. That was the clutch game, the crucial game, the grand final. And he missed a couple of kicks from pretty much out in front. So, you know, if we've got any Central Coast listeners, get in touch with Damian McKenzie. He needs sorting out. Um, needs to top those levels up, I reckon. Just call yourself a Queenslander. Talking down. The fine town in Gladstone like that, Wendell. You should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself. But anyway, look, I think that, you know, the way you really create an Iceman is to really, you know, put them under so much pressure that they break. And then mm. in order to put them back together, you have to freeze them. Mm. I think that's what happened to Bernard Foley. Because, you know, early on in his career, he, you know, let pressure get the better of him. But then, you know, he came back harder, stronger. Mm. Like Jock. Yeah. Really. Yeah. A younger jock. Yeah, that's very true. I hope Damien McKenzie doesn't come back harder when he's playing against the Wallabies, though. I'd rather he come back harder, like, next season in Super Rugby, Aotearoa, and 
like not against us. I don't think I'd like that very much. Also, I saw somewhere that there might be a bit of trouble for the Chiefs after their grand final uh, loss to the Crusaders. There was some news about um, the boys apparently getting real pissed at the hotel afterwards, but the Chiefs are saying it wasn't them. It was fans. It was fans. It was fans. That's you know, fair enough. Nate Miles kind of stuff yeah. um, in the in the corridors, banging on doors, playing up, passing out. You know, at least it's not, you know, getting into Julian O'Neill territory. You know, no. it's not like anyone's taking a poo in a shoe. <laughs> no, well, no, we haven't haven't had any of those allegations yet. Just some not yet. some noisy boys in the hotel on a Saturday night. Which fuck, um, you can't do anything anymore, can you? I mean, like. Sure, it's a hotel and you've probably paid hundreds of bucks to stay there, but, you know, mm. these boys have just lost a grand final. I mean, yeah. just, just let them carry on a bit. Yeah, you know? just, I just they, one Saturday night. I thought they liked their rugby in New Zealand. I thought, you know, if I was an out-and-out Kiwi and, and my team was at the hotel and they just lost and they were pissed as hell, I'd say, you know, power to you. Good on you. Rip in, you know, boys, but maybe, not, maybe it's because they were losers. Maybe the Crusaders did the same thing and it was no dramas, but because the Chiefs lost. Anyway, I don't expect anything to come of that. No, well, nothing no. ever, nothing ever does come of those kind of things over there in New Zealand. They're never bad enough that people need to be properly slapped on the wrist, and because they're, you know, a lot of them are All Blacks, it just kind of gets moved along. Yeah. Onto the next thing, onto them, you know, playing us in Super Rugby, Terence Tasman this weekend and redeeming themselves. So, so let's we'll look see. at these games, Wendell. Mm. Highlanders and Reds. Where do we see this going? Uh, whereabouts is it? I think it's down in the greenhouse, mm. Wendell. I yeah, think down right. there uh, in Dunedin. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Reds will obviously be uh, recovering from their celebrations. Highlanders might yeah. have a point to prove. I reckon high scoring, but Reds get it done. It's been a long time since uh, we've played indoor rugby too. Mm, yeah. It's going to be a bit of a change. Not a big thing here, is it, indoor rugby? And what, no. what's the next one after that, Dave, the Friday night? Uh, it's the Waratahs up against the Hurricanes at the SCG. That's probably the ideal one. For the yeah. Waratahs, because the Hurricanes finished last in Super Rugby, Aotearoa. Look, I can see this going one way. I, I can see this going to the Canes, and I can. I think a more worthwhile prediction for us to make is what type of crowd are we going to see at the SCG? Oh, look, Errol, I hope they get some fans. I hope they get people out there. But, yeah, I mean, only time will tell. It might be one of those ones. It is. I mean, I, I, I know sport. I say this each week. And I say this, that I say these things each week. I would like to repeat myself a lot, apparently, according to the missus. But the SCG is the shittest place to watch rugby mm. in the Southern Hemisphere. You're better off on stand sport. As we said, you're closer to the game. Mate, you're better off mm. tying your TV antenna to a roofing nail and driving that roofing nail through your forehead and then going back on the couch and watching it. Mm. You'd get a better view. Fair enough. And then we've got a bumper run on Saturday. Three games back-to-back. Dave? Yeah. First one up at Errol's favourite stadium in New Zealand, Crusaders Brumbies at Orange Theory. Uh, Yeah, that that one is really, really exciting. I'm looking forward to that one, seeing how the style of the Crusaders goes up against the style of the Brumbies. I think that's going to be the game of the round. Yeah, for sure. I think 100%. The Brumbies are the most elastic team. You Mm. know, they've had a tough loss. They've been out-and-out robbed. They've been held up like a bank on payday. Yeah. And they're going to come back, and I reckon they'll fucking do these Crusaders. And then after that, Dave? Got the Rebels versus Blues down mm. in Melbourne. Yeah, nice. That'll be an interesting one. And then in the Nation's West, in the Wild West, we've got the Force against the Chiefs. Ooh. That'll be a good game. That and it starts late, game. too. 
Oh, that's going to be... So, we're going to do 5 to... Five to midnight, really. Yeah, yeah, the games. Yeah. Oh, I don't mind that. And the missus is going to Brisbane for work this weekend, so it looks like I'm going to get blackout drunk again Ooh, watching rugby. Yes, because all of those games <laughs> will, of course, be on Stan Sport. Which every single game this round will be, as always, available live only on Stan Sport and Channel Nine. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see where Australian teams are sitting against the Kiwis this weekend. I think that New Zealand rugby will be able to bounce back and get a few wins. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully they can keep it competitive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nice in Trans-Tasman, just for them to keep it competitive, particularly against the Reds and the Brummies. You know, if we're going to have the Reds and the Brummies just roll through and win five games and then go into a final against each other and we have enough. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd like to see another Reds and Brumbies final. But Yeah, I think it'd be nice. But look, I just don't like it how the Kiwis, you know, they send these teams over and they it just reminds me of you know the lions and the kings mm. you know when they used to come over here and we used to go over there and the games used to be on at 3:45 yeah. in the morning and shit like that you know i i just wish they'd just send their best teams over yeah. so they don't waste our time well that is all to come over the next little while but now we have one of the greatest tens players of all time former all black mm-hmm. crusader Plenty more. Now a commentator for Stan Sport. We've got Andrew Mertens jumping into the Desert Rock FM studio booth with us today. Errol, what a pleasure. How are you, Andrew? Good. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. And probably one of the most quickly forgotten rugby players in history, I reckon. There's a certain guy called Dan Carter. Came straight in after me. Now, if you want anything you ever did to be wiped out, you get a bloke like that to come <laughs> in straight afterwards. So. Oh, I don't know. I'd say there's more people in New Zealand that know your name than more people in this country that know the name of Michael Liner. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, my demographic was always uh, the sort of 60 plus age group so I think yeah. I've still got that although I'm losing quite a few of them obviously <laughs> as time goes on uh, well plenty of people here still remember you fondly and now with a commentary gig lots more people learning your name Mertz and enjoying it you were up there on Saturday night how good was that? Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I mean, I had to forego watching my beloved Crusaders. Um, I saw snatches of their game um, against the Chiefs over in New Zealand. But, uh, yeah, just amazing to be a part of that. It was I loved touring Brisbane, always did as a player and uh, still do now. And we had a, a cast of thousands up there with the wide world of sport and stand sport. And it was, yeah, great fun. Really enjoyed the game. Uh, tipped it wrong. I had the Brumbies. And um, I think Alana Ferguson, who's been leading the – the, the comp in terms of in the Sydney Morning Herald and no, she's uh, cleared out now and won uh, thanks to that so I, I, didn't, I was a bit disappointed from that perspective but from a yeah it was just amazing to be part of yeah full stadium nearly up there in Suncorp 45,000 yep. 44,000 Queenslanders yep. bang for Brumby 45,000 toothless Queenslanders <laughs> screaming at my poor Brums you know it was yeah, it was yeah. always going to be tough what do you reckon the total IQ count there would have been Errol for the 45,000 Queenslanders I'd in say it be, would be over 50 well, there's a reason Kiwis are comfortable moving to yeah, immigrating to Queensland destination more so than number else. one. But you ended up in Sydney, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, Crusaders though they got the job done. They're going to roll into Super Rugby Trans Tasman now. From the from what I saw, uh, they they look pretty much back. They rolled the Chiefs there. The Chiefs, yeah. you know, with 13 men, they held out and they they did quite a job. Well, they wouldn't be a quality Crusaders outfit if they didn't have, you know, a bit of a mid-season rest. You know, they do like to come out of the gates very strong. And then, you know, some of the older boys, you know, they, you know, tend to ice their knees for a little while. And then, you know, when the coach needs them to really, you know, put the pedal to the metal, they come back and they uh, they uh, dismantle and deconstruct even the, the greatest of rugby teams. Just find a way to just flick the switch, don't they? They do. It's a shame they have a bit of a lull. I mean, you know, with the, the, the benefit of the... Um 
an accurate memory. Of course, as a former Crusader, I only look back on the times that we, we never had those sort of lulls. We, you know, we had everything our own way. Everything was perfect <laughs> every week, you know, one title after title. Never had a yep. year when we finished last in 96 or 2001, for example. So uh, look at these new breed and I've just got it so easy. It's millennials, yeah. isn't it? That millennial mentality, <laughs> they're getting sloppy, getting lazy, taking things for granted. So like a lot of Australian rugby pundits, Andrew, we do like to uh, go back through and see what has gone wrong in the Australian game. And it's more often than not people indicate towards it. It is the grassroots of the game here. But I just want to talk a little bit about what your experience was in, you know, growing up in New Zealand and entering the rugby machine over there at a very young age. What was the grassroots like in your experience? Yeah, I grew up in the country, a um, little town called Tuahiwi, actually, funnily enough. Um, a town that uh, Joe Moody, um, the great prop, uh, came from as well. So in my day, it was about 15 or 20 people. That was a population. So the, all there was to do in those days in the 70s in New Zealand growing up was uh, was rugby, really. They've got such a wide choice now, of course, kids these days. But we just had rugby. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I mean, you grow up just wanting to play for your club. That's about it. If you, if you get further and you get to play for your province, particularly my yeah. province, which is Canterbury, yep. Canterbury people put Canterbury above all else above the All Blacks even yeah. so you've had occasions where the All Blacks and playing down in Christchurch get booed because they might bring an Aucklander on the field and stuff I'm not necessarily proud of it <laughs> that's just the background of it so yeah. before you went to Christchurch you had to make a big decision rugby or tennis didn't you I believe hot shot tennis player as a kid well, I mean, again, when there are very, very small numbers playing, it, it doesn't take much to stand out. Um, I learned reasonably early that I wasn't probably going to be cut out for any sort of individual sport. I don't really have incredible motivation to train by myself or to, to push myself. That's why I sort of gravitated to team sports because then you can blame stuff on others as well, blame yeah. losses mm. on others, particularly at number 10. You can blame pretty much anyone. It's always the Just forwards. Just look at the forwards, forward. yeah, 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 totally. So um, that, that appealed to me. Yeah, fair enough. You a fair choice as well. Maybe um, becoming a, a generational All Black, you know, one of the best, or maybe a tennis player. Who are some Who are some famous New Zealand tennis players? I'm trying to come up, come to think of someone. I can't, I can't uh, surely, surely, there's one that we claim. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, uh, Keith Kelly Evenden, the one lunged wonder, um, yep. was was a pretty amazing to, operating on on one lung to be playing professional tennis, any sport, let alone that sort yeah, of yeah, that's a um, fair ruling one. So he was yeah, one we were pretty proud of for sure. But yeah, yeah. and uh, at what point during your career, Mertz, did you start looking at the media game, commentating all that sort of stuff? Was that something you'd always had your eye on, or was it just afterwards you kind of found your way into it? Yeah, probably just fell into it afterwards. I was always a bit of a yapper, um, mm. and of course, again, when you mm. when you com- com- coming off a low base, there, I was always perceived as being someone who said stuff that was kind of interesting mm. um, after a game, and I think that's a nice way to to say that you put your foot in your mouth pretty easily. I, I've made a few things, few you know, bloopers and stuff over the years, um, but I think there was a little bit of that perception, and I, I guess I started yapping more and more and more, and, and you know, my whole career was based on talking on the field. It certainly wasn't smashing blokes. Mm, so. I guess it'd be hard work being a 10 if you weren't yapping too much. So. Yeah, you don't get too many shrinking violets at 9 or 10. <laughs> no, yeah. um, I guess you're kind of lucky that you, you, know, you didn't have you know evils like... Twitter and Instagram back when you were playing, you know, I suppose. Yeah, well, I, st- I struggle with it now. I, like, I'm <laughs> hopeless. I think any time after about three in the afternoon for me, I shouldn't be posting. Not that I've got any followers or anything like yeah. that, but only takes someone with one <laughs> with a lot of followers <laughs> to pick up on it and send it out, doesn't it? So, yeah, that's not the right forum for me mm-hmm. at all. Um, we have been enjoying your, your colourful commentary. You've had some interesting takes on things. That's what we feel like 
the game of rugby, particularly in Australia, here needs, you know, some colour, some narrative, some yeah. things to talk about. So we might go into a few of the talking points over the, the last little while. Obviously, Trans-Tasman is about to kick off. Uh, it all gets signed off and there's no COVID spread. We've spoken a lot about on the podcast this year. Aussie rugby's on the up, Kiwi rugby, you know, a lot of concerns there yeah. after the World Cup. Um, so a lot of question marks going into this Trans-Tasman competition. A lot of hope over here in Australia. The Reds, Reds looking really good. Brumbies looking really good. Um, we're excited and we just want to ask to start off with, how many games do you reckon the Aussie teams might win from the 25? We won't include the final, we'll say 25 Trans-Tasman games. Over, under, what do you reckon? Well, I, th- I think most Kiwis are assuming that there'd be less than five that, that Kiwi teams will get 20 mm-hmm. or above. Um, I don't know. I just think they play a different style of rugby over there in, in terms of the, the super rugby. All the New Zealand teams played the same way. They rely on quick, fluid ball and moving mm-hmm. the ball around quickly. And, you know, in the past, it's been probably one of our Achilles heels that we haven't won World Cups because we've only played one way and we weren't able to adapt. So, you know, it may well be that playing a different sort of game against the Aussie teams is, is a bit tougher. So in a roundabout way, the reason why the All Blacks haven't won very many World Cups is because they don't get good enough practice during the year. Yeah, that's because it. Because it's, it's, it, they're it, playing Australian teams. That's if it's not Who the are trying to play fault. Kiwi footy. Yep. <laughs> Quite often it is the referee's yep. fault, clearly. So, yep. um, you know, New Zealanders, we, we're into that as a... As a reason, we don't call it as an excuse because it's it's patently true that mm. referees diddle us. Um, well, do you think part of the problem is the fact that we've imported so many Kiwi coaches to try and emulate what Kiwis have over there, which is you know a rugby mad nation over here. You know, you've got a lot more competition. But do you think importing uh, coaches from New Zealand is a good way to grow the game, or is, do you think that we that each kind of nation should have their own unique way of playing rugby? Um, yeah, well, I think you've got to be got to be able to play several different styles. But I mean, I don't think it's so much about importing. We see it obviously as exporting. So you know, we're a big export economy. <laughs> Milk powder, um, rugby coaching, criminals. We, we're starting to get a few of those back from Australia, apparently. But um, we're a massive export economy. So uh, I think it's just logical to to send our, our stuff across. Um, there may be a few people that said we've sent our dregs previously, but I think you're getting some of the good stuff now. At the moment, I think, I think that'll be the end of the Crusaders. Now, the other one of the other big stories that's coming out of New Zealand is this private equity deal. Every single week, I'm looking across the ditch at the newspapers over there. Can't quite get a read on what the sentiment is over there. It seems to be sometimes they're talking about the players are motivated purely by financial gain. Then there's a lot of talk about the um, concerns around the culture and things like the haka. Yeah. And uh, like. the unions, some of the unions there pushing it. What, what's your take on this whole private equity deal? Um, well, I don't know a lot about that world other than the, the fact that private equity, they're in it to make a buck, you know. So um, whether they're – they don't really have longer-term goals mm. and objectives for the sport. They have their five-year plan. They've already probably got an ex- exit strategy, uh, how they're going to build it up and, and sell out, you know. And I know, yeah. you, you know, particularly here, you guys have, have held out from, from that same lure of – big cash coming in yeah uh, well, i think the numbers have swayed new zealanders yeah i think that we have only really been offered you know like four or five thousand dollars and a used <laughs> commodore i think 
think. A couple yeah. of cases of Shiraz Where, on you top. Know, you know, across the Dutch, you've got, you know, billions of dollars at stake, really. Well, I, I mean, the numbers they're throwing around, you'd almost think that could have bought one of the two islands, probably. So <laughs> I think um, oh. I think that's why it's the dollar signs are flashed up in their eyes. And <laughs> 2.9 billion. Stuart, maybe. That's about it. Yeah, you could have Stuart. But yeah. Um, I think I mean it's it's easy one for the the, the players. I think genuinely, us the players' association is seeing itself as the the one really here acting as the custodian of the game longer yeah. term, mm. and fighting against the sort of shit and, and looking for wanting to look for other solutions to generate the money. So, yeah. um, I, the the easy way is for the New Zealand rugby to paint the players as as wanting more of the pie, and it's it's yeah. not actually the the case. I don't think. I mean, sure, ultimately they want to see a bigger pie because it's better for everyone, but. Um, yeah, well, like, it's hard to say where you draw the line, really. I mean, like, you could have things where, you know, if you do sell and then, you, you know, when the game is broadcast into America, you've got, you know, commentators saying, and now, time for the Carl's Jr. Hucker. <laughs> and then they go and do the Hucker. <laughs> the, Gallagher, like, the Gallagher All Blacks. Yeah. And it's like, this is the one where they do this, and they're going to slash the prices, too. You know, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the commercialization, yeah. I guess, as well. And it's it's even I mean, when you talk to Harker, it's something I've been conscious of as well because it's 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 a little bit sterile sterile the presentation now as well. Not the Harker itself, but just the way there have got to be twenty meters between the teams. You know, you got cameramen yeah. and, and microphones and stuff in between and I think it's reduced it. Like we we got very close in ninety seven to having a headbutt between Richard Cockrell and Norm Hewitt yep. when we did the Harker over in uh, in England. So I don't think you obviously want, don't want to have a full dust up before the game starts, but I think having that challenge there from one team to another is an important aspect, and it it seems quite a lot these days to have been just turned into a bit of a pantomime. Well, how did you interpret what the French did um, in their response to the Haka, where they held hands and they formed a V? I thought I thought it was awesome. I think the yeah. different ways that teams have done it. I think it's your it's your right mm. to receive this challenge, however you like. And the French have done it on a couple of occasions. They they formed the flying V, or they pulled off their uh, tracksuit tops, and and you know they're all in red, white, or blue t shirts, and they they managed to get them all right. So it wasn't yeah. all just mixed around. Well, uh, the English last year um, in the World Cup, you know, made the big semicircle. It was just something to change it up, I guess, from what the All Blacks are used to yeah. being presented with, which is just the opposition team standing there behind the cameras and behind the microphones and just lapping it up. So basically anything besides, you know, doing what this country's done in the past and, you know, continue your warm-up, be seen to laugh and carry on a bit, you know, I think that's never really ended well for us. Yeah, I didn't mind if there was going to be the threat of sort of a small amount of violence at the front of the harker yeah. as it was. I was always at the back, of course. I was standing there behind yeah. either Jonah or Tanarumunga yeah. and, and some wallabies <laughs> at speeches have made a lot of this point. They were always trying to find the eye line to me. But um, I was at the Shifting back along. There. Yeah, I was sort of, uh, yeah, quite happy for it to have turned a, a little bit physical up front. How do they choose who leads it? Uh, normally most senior Māori in the team. Um, yeah. There was a time, I think Tana Umanga was the first non-Māori as a, as a Samoan guy to, yeah. to lead it. And that was a massive moment for the Haka and for the All Blacks because there had been a lot of um, antagonism between Māori as the earlier occupants of New Zealand and uh, and then the, the later Polynesian groups that came in. So having Tana lead it, and he, um, he unified the, the country yeah. quite a bit and, and particularly the different ethnicities and stuff behind him because everyone too. respected him. Yeah, and looked like the predator. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Scary, scary man. Yeah, but the loveliest man as well. Yeah. If you don't have to room with him, he's the, the yeah. biggest snorer in the team. So, um, But apart from that, he was the loveliest man. It's often like that, isn't it? Sometimes the biggest blokes, the biggest, scariest looking blokes are quite often the gentlest of giants mm. and the nicest guys to be around. Does that mean I 
potentially the most dangerous. Yeah. I'd love to walk around with people <laughs> thinking I'm the most dangerous. Nah, it's, it's always the nines. The it's nines are the chunky. most dangerous. They're just rogue. You know, they're yeah. angry little men, always looking for a stink. They're so used to it on the field, aren't they, that like they can they can run up to a big forward and do something because they know the rest of their forwards are going to come around them, that they go to the pub or they go to a venue afterwards and it's a similar kind of thing. They just know that, you know, something happens. Probably, yeah. They can be probably a big pack of forwards to protect them. They can probably back it up now, though. They're all so built, these blokes. You know, mm-hmm. when you look at like a, a TJ Perinara or someone like that or Aaron Nugget Smith, you, mm-hmm. I'd still back them to probably floor <laughs> most people. Yeah. So I certainly wouldn't go near them. Most civilians, certainly. What do you reckon about TJ Perinara coming across to rugby league? I think it'd be awesome. I mean, if I've, I had a chat a while back in the paper about that I think it'd be a really difficult one. And that was really just to get people's heads around the idea it's so difficult to change codes I reckon and just get a you know when you've been in one for a long time mm. and get a feel for the other one but I think if, if that's one of his, his dreams you know who knows if he's had a childhood dream to play in the NRL and I think it'd be yeah. fantastic and I think if it's good for the Roosters and good for TJ I'd, I'd love to see mm. it. Did you get many offers from league? Or no no I, I hardly got many offers from rugby <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I think in the early days I played one World Cup and um, it was goal kicking and stuff and, and showed a little bit of pace which is another word for fear in my world. Um, <laughs> yeah. I showed a lot of fear. And um, there was talk of perhaps going to England for a season or for a couple of seasons. But um, in the Super League? I was just, yeah, I was just at the start of my rugby and, and you know, I, I was struggling to have much confidence physically on the field, on a rugby field, let alone trying yeah, to contemplate yeah. league. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, you went over there after your timing in, uh, for the Crusaders and rescued a few teams, didn't you? You took... Took the teams from the lower divs back up to the top. Yep. The key to that is identifying a team that's easily going to win their competition. And so I was lucky to have four or five teams <laughs> that did that. I had a couple of good years at Harlequins. They got yeah. dropped to second division. The the tough thing about that is that you get a £2 million parachute. <laughs> so if you yeah. can't bounce up with that, then goodness knows. Um, so went up with Harlequins and then went across to France and had a few years in France. Uh, France. Um, <laughs> so I'm getting it wrong all the time over here. I'm sounding like I'm from Adelaide. Aren't I? <laughs> but, um, oh, close enough, you know. Had a couple in the second division there with too long in racing, and then uh, and then decided to, to to branch out and try something different. Went in third division mm-hmm. and went up yep. with Bezier. So just very lucky to pick historical clubs that had good you know, good roster. Yeah. So if you're playing now, you'd be signing with Saracens at the end of the year potentially. Yeah, totally, hundred yeah. uh, <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's it's it's a great one. That is all Waratahs now. Really, you're buying at the bottom yeah, essentially yeah, after yeah. the season they've been through. I don't want to put the boot into them, but <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's been tough, and they can only go one way from here. Hopefully, a couple of predictions to round us out, Mertz. We've um, we spoke about Trans Tasman a little bit earlier. We've circled a few fixtures in the calendar here. Now, your beloved Crusaders play the Waratahs. Mm-hmm. In Wollongong. In Wollongong. Beautiful, down at the gong. Yeah. Round three, the 29th of May. In your experience, sir, has it ever been a positive, you know, to sack your coach halfway through a season as we saw what happened to Rob Penny? Um, I, I think it can be. In France, it, it, it can work quite well. Yeah. Um, but the, that's all the same coaches. They're on the, like yeah. the, the coaching carousel. Um, <laughs> and they're actually the best paid people in the whole of France. You know, they get a three-year contract. They get sacked after five months. Yep. They get paid, paid out after three years. <laughs> then they go and get a job at the next club as well. So it's, it's a smart yeah. move. Uh, they know how to work the system. But, yeah, uh, I didn't believe in it. I mean, I'm, I'm not fully objective because – I played yeah. with Rob Penny. He was, uh, I think, he's a fantastic bloke and a fantastic coach. Um, so I, I thought that was a, a mistake. Um, but anyway, it's happened. Move on. Maybe, yeah. maybe Rob Penny might turn up at the the Rebels. There seem to be an opening now as well. Yeah. So, um, I think he will. 
I don't think it's wonderful sacking a coach through no. in the middle of the season. But it, if anything, it makes seems to have made the players pull their socks up for mm. no particular reason. Just uh, like, geez, if the <laughs> if the top dog gets gets the bullet, then anyone yeah. can. <laughs> Maybe we can get sacked too. We should start ripping in. Yeah. But I mean, as we've seen for the All Blacks, their success in the last particularly the last 20 years have been built on just doing the basics really really well mm-hmm. and obviously cleaning the changing sheds that's been a pain in the ass for kiwis <laughs> because now everyone expects kiwis to clean up after themselves oh don't your all blacks do that yeah, they do the yeah, changing yeah. Sheds. Oh, i've got to pick up all my rubbish now it's terrible does that go down to the grassroots level now everyone's just cleaning up the trains rooms everywhere yeah well i think so yeah it's, it goes around the country pretty pretty quickly and um you know, and it's just a normal sort of a value, absolutely clean up after yeah, yourself. Sure. But uh, I'm sure the clubs back in New Zealand have seen that, you know, yeah. kids volunteering, wanting to be the next McCaw and Carter. Yeah. Uh, whether that, I mean, it may even be mythical whether, you know, whether that even happened. <laughs> Certainly good PR if they managed to get it out there. But, yeah, kids will be picking up their tape and stuff and the, the cleaning their boots. Oh, well, it's good to say. I guess that's what we've been doing wrong this whole time. Mm. <laughs> just the Waratahs. <laughs> get them in, cleaning those sheds. Now, you uh, you mentioned there that the, the Wallabies team might look pretty good this year. I reckon it might. It'd be a lot of uh, a lot of Brumbies and Reds, maybe not heaps of Waratahs potentially. It wasn't in the initial squad that was picked no. a few months ago. When we go toe-to-toe in the Bladdersloe later on in the year, how concerned are you about facing the, uh, the Wallabies on the up? Oh, well, I mean, I like it for the fact that, you know, we want competition, we want rugby as a sport benefits from from you know close games and stuff like that as a kiwi obviously i want new zealand to win i want the all blacks to win but um i, I think it's good for the good for the sport good for the rivalry if, if you know if, if they are good contests i mean last year we saw out of four games uh was it two and a half to one and a half so mm. you know i don't think we would have expected that going into into last year's competition and uh, i know there are a couple of couple of blowouts within that the wins that the all blacks had were pretty comprehensive but I think there was enough to build on there and then you look at the Perth game the year before as well which was an amazing <laughs> event full stop so yeah. look I'm, I'm happy to see a really good contest you know mm. um, and to be honest I reckon you know the, the, these young guys have, have had the Bledisloe Cup for too long now they don't know the pain of losing it I know that pain <laughs> yeah. I know it well and never getting it back I reckon they could face some adversity would be nice probably yeah because yeah, I always hear Kiwis and Kiwi fans say oh, we want to see the contest we want to see the contest you know it's great for rugby just let us have one then. Although, just let us have one. Blood although, could then. you just imagine though coming back on that Air New Zealand aeroplane back to Auckland after you've just lost it, and you might go on to win the World Cup, you know, but you'll always be the team that lost that Bledisloe Cup. Yeah, they'll always find something that yeah. the Kiwis never go at you about. So, um, my notable one was in '99 after we got dumped out of the Rugby World Cup um, by France. France again, and um, <laughs> regardless of what happened in the World Cup, I had a holiday planned in Europe, so yeah. I ended up not not. Be, there were a few guys didn't go back with the team, and everyone else got the so got all the scraps and fruit to France, <laughs> vegetables and shit thrown at them. And uh, I was sitting reading these reports from from in France and Italy. You know, <laughs> there's no um, tea or coffee excuse to fall yeah. back on that time around. No excuse. We still had uh, you know potentially there was the ref there, or there was just you know very mm. unlucky, or you know the English crowd or something like that. There, there are a couple of things there. That's what, that was one of the another example of just Cantabrians as well. I love Canterbury, brought up there and everything, and just you know it's fantastic and, and a passionate place. But the coach at the time, John Hart, had a, a really good horse, a, you know, champion yep. horse called Holmes DG, which came and raced in Christchurch not long after that 
that World Cup loss, and the people were spitting at the horse. The Canterbury crowd <laughs> was spitting at the coach's horse. He wasn't even there, and it's just, uh, you don't know whether to laugh or cry when you hear stuff like that, do you? Uh, you can laugh now. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. Anyway, that will uh, do us for today. It's been a pleasure to have you in, Mertz. Thanks for stopping in to Batuta. Yep. It's a few hours on the flight out of Brizzy, but thank you for stopping in. Yep. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a big thrill. Been a big fan for a long time, so <laughs> Thanks, cheers. Mate. Thanks very much for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Look forward to talking to you next week after the Aussie teams do a job on the Kiwi teams in Super Rugby Trans Tasman. Yep, I know that my multi just has Aussie teams in it, mate. So, uh, <laughs> and it's paying a lot. If you're looking for some easy money, guys, follow me. Follow me all the way into the bank. I'll part the seats for you. Get on board. All right, talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah.